Sunday Surefire. It's your host this week, Aaron Downtown Brown. I got the commish with me this week because uh, Captain Carmen feels like um, he just wants to take this extended uh, vacation each week. <laughs> hey, Aaron. Yeah, uh, I'm really glad to, to be back on here again today. And, uh, you know, this chair over here is getting pretty comfy. You know, I, I think Carmen's down there sipping Coronas in Florida. And uh, I'm not sure if he's listening, but I think... Uh, I don't know. If he doesn't, if not get, doesn't get back here soon, we, we might uh, have a replacement for him on the, on the set. I know. That, I mean, that's the beautiful thing about like a three-person team is like all it takes is just two people to vote vote the other one off the island. <laughs> so you never know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's even easier when they're not showing up to work. <laughs> exactly. 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 But now I I do do hope he's enjoying it. I mean, he comes back fresh. Hopefully, he's. You know, on the beach, looking at, at as many dynasty uh, um, articles as possible. Absolutely, I know. Uh, there's no sleeping on this program, and hopefully, he comes back, uh, you know, ready, rearing to go for draft season. Um, so, I think we have a pretty fun show ahead of us. Um, I kind of alluded to it last week. Um, got a fun dynasty topic uh, to talk about with rebuilding this week. But before we do that, we're gonna we're gonna talk a little news. Um, you know, as we mentioned, it, we are kind of winding now. Not as much activity going on in free agency. Um, we got a little bit of noise, and all, obviously the rumor mill is always fun to talk about. Uh, so we'll hit on both of those subjects. Um, but before that, we also um, – I know we were kind of poking fun of Carmen a little bit, but um, he was he was pretty uh, pretty hot with his MMA picks over the last weekend. Did you, did you happen to catch the, the fight card on Saturday night? You know, I, I wasn't able to catch the fight card. I had a lot of, uh, you know, pre-Easter, uh, you know, Easter egg hunts going on with the kids. Um, so that took up a lot, you know, a lot of my time over the weekend. I wasn't around, but I, I saw his picks have been, uh, have been doing pretty well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's definitely fun for, like, people who are, like, somewhat interested in, 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 in UFC and they, they want a little guidance because he's certainly, certainly doing well. I, I mentioned he's uh, he was about 60% in his picks um, on, from last week. And then after this, this fight card, he, he jumped up. Um, he's over, he's close to 70%, about 68% right now. All right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, those are good odds, you know, when, when you're talking betting and, and just overall picks. Um, and it's funny, one of, the, one of them that he missed, Mackenzie Dern, uh, Mackenzie, uh, Dern I want to say, uh, he called a submission uh, for a win. And oh my gosh, she had this girl's um, arm in a Kimura with that. You just you were just screaming for that submission that you <laughs> thought he you thought he called that too. But uh, it was so close, didn't go that way. But it's funny, he was almost right on the money with that as well. Yeah, it's uh, you know any like the percentage is, is just off the charts good. You know, hovering around seventy percent there. You know, typically any, anything over fifty fifty, you're you're doing pretty well. And uh, you know, it's it's us against the house out there, man. You know, so if you, these picks keep hitting, there's no reason to to say no to the free money going forward. Exactly, exactly. Well, that is literally probably our MMA minute. Uh, I know I'm not the expert on the show, and it doesn't sound like you are either. But um, as we mentioned, yeah, keep keep listening on when we get Mister Carmen's refreshed mind. You know, I'm sure he'll, um, you know, come back and and ready with some more MMA talk. Yeah, for sure. We had the uh, – sounds like he's been hitting on some picks. So, you know, he's going to come back from vacation on, on a victory tour. So, we just had to, <laughs> had to take some shots on him early. Yeah, exactly, exactly. All righty, all righty. So, NFL news, I mentioned, you know, not a whole lot going on. Um, we did have one signing I wanted to talk about, or it's actually a re-sign. Uh, Brandon Cooks re-signed with uh, the Houston Texans. It was a two-year extension with about $39 million. Uh, with up, up to 30, I guess it was like 30, up to 36 guaranteed, which kind of, you know, kind of a good uh, contract extension for him. What, what, what do you think about that one? Yeah, it was a healthy extension for uh, Brandon Cooks walking into his age 29 season uh, down there, down there, st- sticking with the Houston Texans. Um, you know, Cooks is, uh, you know, Cooks is one of those guys who's not really a household name, um, but he really has been sort of the model of consistency throughout his career. Um, in, in, uh, six of the last seven seasons, he's finished with at least a thousand yards and at least five touchdowns. Um, and this guy, you know, he, I, he must live out of a suitcase cause I feel like he's on a different team every, you know, every couple of years. Um, <laughs> so it's nice. I'm sure it's nice for him to maybe put down some roots for in Houston for at least the next couple, 
you know, it's it's not the sexiest landing spot as far as wide receivers go. You know, there was um, he was linked at the to the Packers very briefly. I saw saw a few reports about that, and would, obviously with Adams packing up and moving over to Vegas, that he would have slotted well for an, a, a number one role with Aaron Rodgers, which would have been great. So comparatively, this isn't isn't a great spot. Um, you know, when you keep that in mind, but you know he's you know he's a guy who finished WR twenty last year in PPR formats. Um, he's a, he's a solid veteran player that if you're if you're looking for you know a flex play and you have can maybe try to pry him away from another another dynasty owner for a, you know a late second round pick with maybe a future third thrown in there as well. Maybe he's a guy you can target. Um, he's not someone I'm going out of my way to acquire, but I think he's a he's a nice little value there if you can get your hands on him. And uh, looks like he'll be sticking around to be Davis Mills number one. Yeah, no, I uh, I kind of got two sides of the coin with Brandon Cooks, like where. You know, he, as you know, he started off pretty hot last year and it's always good if you're a number one wide receiver on a, on a, on a bad team, you know, like teams that are generally going to be losing, you know, coming, you know, playing from behind is not, not a bad thing, you know, to have that wide receiver on your team, meaning they're going to get targets. Um, so as you said, you know, if you have them, it's probably not, you know, you're probably not complaining really. Um, but if you don't, I don't know how much you want to risk to get them. I do know on the other side, um, I had a feeling to go out and get Nico, Nico Collins. Um, a few, few, like, I want to say it was like a, maybe a, a week or so, but I, I kind of liked him. I wanted to take a gamble on him. And then I'm glad I didn't because this kind of scares me a little bit. If they, if they draft a wide receiver, he might drop in that depth chart and, um, you know, kind of make me, you know, shy away from Nico. Yeah, that makes sense. And it kind of, picks up on a little bit where we left off from last week where I told you that sometimes the best trades are the ones that you don't make. Um, you know, if you, if you were looking at, at Nico, maybe you're moving off him a little bit here with cooks coming back um, and Houston, the other, the other thing with the, with the rebuilding team, that's, you never really know exactly what they're going to do in the draft. You know, it is a deep wide receiver pool in this year's draft, but you know, they, they might not necessarily be looking at receiver there. Maybe they're just trying to fill out, you know, their offensive line needs, maybe trying to revamp that defense who finished as a – they were a bottom seven unit last year in points allowed. So there's just a number of holes on that team, um, which is good for Cooks in the short term, like you said. You know, they're going to be chucking it around the yard when those game flow situations are working against them in most weeks. Um, but, yeah, overall here, not not the the sexiest landing spot, but, you know, Brandon Cooks should provide you some solid, solid back-end WR2 production again this year. Yeah, no, that's a good way to put it. Kind of like a eh – Next, you know, like next subject. So, <laughs> um, you know, being being with that, and I, I guess you know, I mentioned rumors. Rumors are always fun to talk about. We got a got a couple we wanted to talk on the show today. Um, who do you want to start with first? Yeah, let's start with the running back. Um, I guess I'll I'll take the uh, I'll take to take take the bull by the horns on this one, and that's J.K. Dobbins. Um, we had a report um, about a week or two ago from head coach John Harbaugh saying there's a chance that he's going to start training camp on the pup list. And this one, you know, it kind of makes sense. Uh, Dobbins is relatively young. He's walking into his age 24 season. And, you know, it, it was a major injury he suffered, um, an ACL, ACL injury in the preseason. And, you know, if it's injury, if his prehab isn't going quite as good as they expected, they're probably better off uh, being on the conservative end with him. Uh, rather than rushing him back and having him injured, you know, they cycled through what felt like 15 <laughs> former relevant running backs last season. Um, so, you know, they're, they're no, they're, they're used to playing without him, but you know, they really, they really do need a solid running back, um, you know, to take the shoulder, some of that load coming into the season with, with a run heavy offense that they like to like to roll out there. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm a, I'm a Dobbins fan. I liked what I saw from him in his rookie season and kind of the flashes he has, but yeah, to your point, I mean, yeah, they kind of shown last year that, you know, they don't really have a reason to push them. I mean, they got some, they got, um, you know, they got Gus the bus. I mean, I know he got a season ending season ending injury as well. Um, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm curious to know where he's at on his recovery as well. Um, because that would be, you know, that would probably be the play to go. But also at the same time, I know they are looking at Melvin Gordon, who, you know, uh, a guy that you brought up last week. So it's, it's kind of interesting guy that, that might play out in that favor, like you said, um, you know, can kind of have some early season value. I'm not, sh- I'm not, uh, you know, it would be interesting to kind of 
track Gus Edwards's um, recovery, you know, path to recovery as well. Yeah, yeah. There's a number of factors moving moving pieces here with that that Ravens offense, particularly in the backfield. They, you know, you mentioned Gus Edwards's injury, and, and that was another bad one. And you know, it's they, they're they're talking in discussions with Melvin Gordon. They haven't officially signed him to to a contract uh, at least yet as of this as of this recording. But you know, Gordon's a he's a solid vet. You know, he's been around the NFL. This would you know wherever he lands next, if it's outside of Denver, it's going to be his third stop in the league. And everywhere he's gone, he's been he's been a productive back. You know, I, I went in pretty pretty detailed on Melvin Gordon last week, so I won't, you know, rehash that. Um, but he's a guy who's, who's going to come in and, and he's going to demand some, some, uh, some work at least early in the year um, in, in a run heavy offense. And, you know, in some of my, some of our, my off season prep, I was looking back at that number of rushing touchdowns that, um, you know, NFL, you know, from just from a team perspective, and the Ravens are actually second in the league last year in, in rushing scores, just one, one behind Philadelphia for the top spot in the league. So this, you know, this is an offense that you want, you know, you want pieces of, especially if you can get cheap exposure to it, because, you know, those running backs, they are going to score touchdowns. You might run into some problems with, you know, kind of guessing who that's going to be from week to week. Um, you know, but J.K. Dobbins is, you know, in the long run here, I think he's he's still going to be the back to own. Uh, just know that Gordon could kind of be a, a, a thorn in the side here of both Gus Edwards and Dobbins, similar, similarly to how he was in the past for guys like Austin Eckler with the Chargers and Javante Williams with the Broncos last year. Yeah. Yeah, I think like if you want to, my overall big time strategy with with Dobbins is like, I'm not like bullish with him yet. I do like his talent. I would be interested to actually watch Lamar Jackson's um, um, improvement, like see how he's transitioning his skills in the NFL to where I know he doesn't he doesn't really like doing checkdowns. He likes to take it himself and run run himself and take a lot of those um, you know PPR points away from his back. So. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, if my ultimate advice with Dobbins is give it this year, like see how he plays and then maybe make a play for him, you know, after the 2022 season because he is still young. I mean, if you want to take that gamble, it is a gamble at this point with injury and different things like that. Um, but I, I would actually just keep my eye on Lamar Jackson's game to see how that evolves. And that's kind of how I would evaluate Dobbins potential. Yeah, you know that's fair to the a fair point to bring up there with Lamar, and you just kind of hope that he can move away from some of the scrambling himself. And you know, it might hurt his his rushing stats, but it could it could very well hurt help his longevity in the league. To you know, instead of you know taking those unnecessary hits, just dump it off to your running back. Let him get the five to seven yards that are there, and, and you know, let those those running backs take some of the punishment. And you know, because he's the franchise, so it would behoove him to to stay in the lineup. And he missed some time with injury last season really for the first time in his career. So hopefully, hopefully he can kind of turn the page and, and, and start being you know, a little bit more of a check down guy, as opposed to taking off and running all the time. Right. Right. Well, moving on to this next guy. And, and this is funny. I, I I've seen this on different social media and whatnot. I think it's hilarious. I think there's just one um, meme guy out there. And what he does is he takes a picture of this guy and he just puts a different, uniform on him and, and sends it out to those fan clubs saying hey this could be your guy this team is interested in trading for him because uh the guy i'm talking about is dk Metcalf. i think i've heard, heard about many teams interested in trades but haven't really heard it from like the pros you know the shifters out there and stuff like that where <laughs> i don't really know what's going on where if they're going to actually trade him or not but i've i've heard chiefs i've heard packers i've heard a whole bunch of teams um so what what do you think overall right now with this DK Metcalf uh, gossip? Yeah, there's, there's, his name's been in the news a lot. Um, not maybe not necessarily from the the top level guys in the um, the reporting world, but you know this is a guy that you know this DK Metcalf man. If you've ever seen him with the shirt off, this guy this guy is a freak. Like this, <laughs> you know, he's just a monster. He can run like a deer. Um, you know, he's just he's a guy that opposing defensive coordinators lose sleep over uh, when they're going up against him on Sundays. But yeah, he's um, you know Seattle's obviously turned the page from away from Russell Wilson and, and the Bobby Bobby Wagner era. Um, they're and they're moving into you know their own little rebuild. Uh, and you know, I, I, one of the things I touched on last week is uh, you know I, I called NFL GMs and, and head coaches liars. You know, you shouldn't always listen to the things that they say. Um, and when it comes to Pete Carroll, he's uh, you know he's a liar. And and uh, and here's here's some proof of that. You know, on March second, and these are his exact words. He said, "quote We have no intention on trading Russell Wilson." 
Okay, fast forward six days. On March 8th, the Seahawks and Broncos announced a trade sending Wilson to Denver. You know, you, you, can't, make, you can't make that up. We're talking about, you know, one week's less than a week's time here goes from we're not trading this guy to he's on the Broncos. And obviously there, there's a degree of gamesmanship here. You know, when they're moving on from a player, they want to get as much back in return from him as they can. So, I, you know, I understand that. I don't mean to call him, you know, question his integrity as a man. Uh, by any means, but you know, for that's something the that dynasty energy to be aware of. Um, and and Carol has said recently on, on when it comes to DK that they are interested in pursuing a long term extension for him. And you know, headed into a rebuild, I'm not I'm not sure exactly if that's the best use of your money, um, allocating it to the wide receiver position when you have so many other fill uh, holes to fill on your roster. Um, so he's definitely a name to monitor as we move move uh, throughout the offseason. I agree. I mean, I see why there's rumor mills because of that, you know, because they traded Wilson, because they're a team that you really don't know what their stance on is on, on anything, like you said. So are they going to get a QB in the, you know, in the draft or that, you know, what, what is their plan? Are they going with Drew Locke? You know, you don't really know. Um, you know, so to that point, um, I think that it does make it interesting for a Metcalf trade, like you said, where, it probably does make sense. And that's probably where all these rumors are, are kind of coming from. Uh, you know, there may be a little bit of truth to it as well. Um, you know, you, ne- you never know. But I definitely can see it happen. And I know if probably you're a Metcalf owner, you're probably like jumping up and down, down like counting the days to, to a trade. Like I'm, I'm, I'm assuming you don't want them to stick on the Seahawks, right? Yeah, and especially with some of the, the other – high-profile spots out there. You mentioned the Chiefs and the Packers we touched on earlier when we were talking about Brandon Cooks. And, you know, I you're a Chiefs fan, Aaron. How would you feel if Superman, the Superman that is DK <laughs> Metcalf, uh, was wearing Chiefs red next season? Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't think – that's a funny thing is I, I don't think anybody would complain having Metcalf. I mean, who doesn't want, like, a cement truck that can run, you know, a, a four what, – what would he run, like a 4-4 four, four? Uh, I want to say he was, like in the, he was in the four three range, actually. Yeah, I know he's a fast guy, so yeah, he could be four three. Yeah, um, he, and he he just runs like a deer, and he's he's an absolute freak out there. And and I know, like I said, any team would be happy to have him. Um, and you know, he he played with Geno Smith last year for a short sample size, three full games, uh, in a PPR format. In those three weeks, he had uh, eleven points, seventeen points, and twenty two points in those three weeks. That's obviously a small sample size. Uh, but for a guy who's coming off a, a relatively down year by his metrics, he finished WR 14 in PPR scoring. Um, for the, if that's a down year for a guy like you, and you played half the season with an, with an injured Russell Wilson who hurt the thumb on his throwing hand, who was not the same guy the second half of the year, and you sprinkled in a few other games with Geno Smith, who by you know isn't going to be confused with the Hall of Famer anytime soon, um, you know it's overall it was it was a solid campaign considering the things that went on around him and. You know, he's a he's a, a core dynasty asset that you can you can build your team around no matter where he is. Yeah. Yeah. So um I guess I'm just gonna ask you a question on the spot. So if you have let's say you have DK, which it's it's an ironic question because I it's funny, I think you actually do have DK in a in a league or two. Um, but let's say you have him. Um, you know, what what are you thinking? Are, you know, what are you um are you trying to are you, I mean, I guess we kind of already said it. Like, you, you really kind of want to hold on to him. You don't want to make any stupid trades, right? Or are you you're gonna still feel out trades right now? Or what are you thinking about like this specific time? It's a good question because the we talked about timing and when to you know when to buy and sell veteran players and when to sell draft picks a year ago. You know, the the perception on DK right now is that his value is taking a hit, and and that's because Russell Wilson is is now now playing in the Mile High City. Um, so I'm not, he's not a guy I'm actively shopping at the moment just because I'm, I'm pretty confident that I'm not going to get the return that I'm looking for on a guy like Metcalf. You know, like I said, he's, he's a, as far as receivers go, he's one of the top, at least, you know, top seven receivers that you could name that you want in your dynasty roster. So I'm, I have no intention of, of looking to move on from him right now. If the right offer comes along, I certainly would. And I think your next question, if I leave it there, is going to be what would I consider to be a logical offer? And, you know, I had, I had known to reach out to him reached out to me uh, recently on him. And this person is holding the, holding the, the one-on-one in our drafts. And uh, that person is Aaron Brown, um, who's uh, <laughs> on the other side of this podcast, as you, as you know. And my, you know, my response was, you know, you kick the tires on DK. And I said, I need the one-on-one to even consider it. 
And yeah. the reason being for that, you know, in this draft class, there isn't there's a lot of really, really good wide receiver prospects, but you know, if for me to swap out for a mid first and grab another wide receiver prospect who I just hopefully would become DK Metcalf someday, you know, that that's not that's not what I'm looking for. You know, I, I have I have the asset here. So I don't want another receiver prospect in this class. And you know, Brees Hall is sitting there at the top of the top of the class, who at that time one projects to be the one on one. You know, if I'm going to move off DK for the unknown, I got to have my, you know, my pick of the draft at 101. Yeah, I agree with you. It's funny. It's funny you brought that up because I was actually going to talk about, you know, the other side is like I would recommend trading for him. But same time, you don't obviously want to give up or, you know, give up too much. Or if you're it's funny, like I'm not going to get too personal. But yeah, like I, you know, different teams are set up in different ways where something, you know, like the 101 may be more enticing to you. But um, I'm the type of guy where even though his situation right now isn't the greatest, I, I mean, who else are they going to throw to? I mean, I know Lockett was also, uh, you know, a guy that was talked about in, in, you know, trade talks as well. So I wonder, you know, I'm kind of thinking, I wonder if they trade Lockett and just keep DK too. That can be another scenario. But I don't think that's a, I don't think that's horrible to have a year, you know, where, um, you got DK. Obviously, you want it would be awesome to have him with Aaron Rodgers or somebody like that. But you know, kind of similar to that, Brandon T- Cooks. You know, Brandon Cooks 2.0 or 3.0. You know, if they're playing from behind in that type of division, it's not the worst thing to have like that type of target on that side of the ball. For sure, absolutely. And you know, Drew Locke isn't is another guy who we're not going to get used at the Hall of Famer. And I'm, I'm not going to stand on the table for that guy ever. But you know, in theory, he, he does have a big arm, and they're going to be in a lot of negative game scripts, and DK is a guy who can, who can fly down the field. And, you know, Drew Locke isn't afraid to necessarily chuck it up there. Um, you know, he had a, he did have one a solid season with Cortland Sutton. It feels like forever ago at this point that that happened. But when the, the two got, got linked up together, um, never I believe it was 2019, then, you know, Sutton was, Sutton was a viable fantasy option every single week, even for a bad Broncos team. And I think we can see – that plus even a little bit more on top from a guy like DK, who I, I think we both agree is, is a, is a better player than Sutton. Yeah. Well, you know, let, let's move move on from there. I think it's funny, uh, an interesting segue, cause there's one more guy I want to talk about on the room mill. Um, and that's, uh, that's Debo Samuel, you know, another guy where you're kind of seeing this more often these guys, they either get unhappy or maybe their agents telling them to do this or who knows what's going on in this day, but social media is so powerful these days you know they're making statements he unfollowed the 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 Niners on all of his social media accounts so he uh, definitely wants something and I'm, I'm assuming it's allu- alluding to the type of season he had last year and he he's watching guys like Devante and Tyreek and did now digs you know getting these monster deals so I'm, I'm assuming he wants some a piece of that right um that's kind of my two cents but it, it's it's. I want to hear your opinion, but I'm kind of on the the edge where I love him in that San Francisco offense. Where does he perform the same way on another team that he does in San Francisco? It's one where I'm actually kind of hoping for him not to get traded. But uh, I want to hear your thoughts. Yeah, D, uh, Debo's an interesting one. He um, there's, there's a, a few different angles to look at this one from it and. Like you said, in terms of a fit from a fantasy standpoint, from an NFL standpoint, you know, Debo, Debo goes with the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan's offense like peanut butter and jelly, man. Like this guy, this guy does absolutely everything, everything for that team. And, you know, he's, you know, he doesn't, he's not necessarily like the most crisp route runner in the world, but this guy is just a football player. Like you can hand the football to this guy. He can take it on jet sweeps. He can get open. He can beat NFL corners one-on-one. He can win with physicality, you know. And he's just a do-it-all type of guy for, for the Niners. And, you know, for a guy like him, he's got to be looking around the league, seeing the guys you mentioned and the Christian Kirks of the world, you know, getting getting paid here. And he's walking into the final year of his rookie contract. And he's, you know, he's got to be thinking to himself, hey, if I'm going to step back on, on the football field and touch the ball as many times as I do and do as much for my team as I do, then, you know, I need to be compensated, compensated and compensated highly for this. You know, he's going to get a massive payday. It's just a matter of, of where it is. And from a fantasy perspective, I'm, I'm also hopeful that, you know, he stays there. But also, from, it would behoove the 49ers, from a football perspective, to take care of this guy. You know, it wasn't too long ago that the San Francisco 49ers were about five or so minutes away from going to the Super Bowl. And 
a big part of that was 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 on the back of Debo Samuel and all the things he was able to do for this football team. And they're, they're a team in transition. You know, we, we all know Jimmy Garker, Jimmy Garoppolo is not the long-term answer for this football team. They're going to hand the ball over to Trey Lance at some point here coming up. And, you know, Trey Lance is a really interesting guy. They gave up three, you know, invested three first-round picks in Trey Lance, so we know he's going to get his opportunity soon. But he's a guy who hasn't played a ton of football recently. Um, he was at North Dakota for three years, and he really only started for one or a couple games last year. And when he was at North Dakota, he only started one full season. He only played the one game in 2020. So the 2019 year at North Dakota was the only time in the, in the last four year span that he started a full season. So, and, uh, and I'm, I'll, I'll wrap it up here with this. You know, if, if you're going to bring in a guy like that who hasn't played a ton of football in a four year span, it doesn't help you to move away from, you know, your, your do everything playmaker. And, and, and that's Debo Samuel. So I think he's got a lot of leverage here. You know, the, the team wants to be competitive. They want to build around Trey Lance. This guy can do everything. I think at the end of the day here, he's going to, he's going to stay in San Francisco on a massive extension. Yeah, no, I, um, I a hundred percent agree with you. And I think San Francisco, you know, John Lynch, they, they got to do it. They got to pay the guy. You know, I think he's definitely proved himself, proved his worth. I mean, he was, you know, he was in tears, you know, when they, like you said, they were just a couple minutes or a couple plays away from making it to the Super Bowl. He, you know, he, he were put, you know, wears his heart on his sleeve. Right. So, um, I think, as you said, they got to pay him. They got to, re- um, have him return to San Francisco. Um, because if they don't and he gets traded one, that's sad. And then two, just from our fa- fantasy perspective, I think we both are thinking, yeah, like he, he's just a match you know, made in heaven in that, in that, um, that offense in San Francisco. So, um, definitely be interested to, you know, stay, um, you know, keep, keep tabs on it and see what's going on. But yeah, they gotta just pay the man. Right. That that's how I see it, especially from a competitive standpoint. I think it's a, it would be a really tough sell for the veterans in that locker room to be so close to, to get into that Super Bowl and then just turn around and say, Oh yeah, our best all around offensive players, uh, is walking out the door. But so that's, that's a really tough sell for uh, for a group of guys who are so close to getting to the Super Bowl. All right, so that's kind of you know that's kind of our news as we say it right now, and that's kind of the buzz around the league. I think we we touched on everything we kind of need to touch on over right now. I mean, we got the draft coming up. We got um, you know free agencies kind of coming slower towards the end. I think there's a couple of defensive guys left, but overall winding down. Let's switch gears a little bit and talk talk dynasty again. Um, I know you know one thing I want to want to do is I mentioned um, I mentioned that we're going to talk rebuilding and there's a lot of different names for it. You know, some people call it tanking. Um, I think you prefer to say rebuild, right? Which we're, we're going to explain why and what that means. Um, but before we do that. Um, if you want to, you know, similar, similar to our dynasty one-on-one episode, if you could just take a little bit of time and try to just explain what is rebuilding from a dynasty perspective and try to try to, you know, take it, wind it way back. If, you know, some of the listeners out there have like no clue what you're talking about and you know, what, what is rebuilding in dynasty? Yeah, for sure. It's, um, you know, like I said, there's a number of different names you can call it. Um, some people use the word tanking. I think that kind of has a negative connotation associated with it. Um, you know, we're all competitive people. We join, we join dynasty leagues cause we want to win and you know, we all, we all want to win, but it's sometimes you have to, you have to look yourself in the mirror and do that self analysis of, okay, you know, this I've been trying to, you know, I've been trying to make, make, make my team a contender that can, that can compete for championships. But for whatever reason, it's just not happening. And there's three different types of rebuilding that we're going to touch on today. But all of those rebuilds, we there's kind of some there's a lot of similarities uh, between them. And a few of you know at, at a really basic level, which essentially what rebuilding involves is moving away from your established veteran players who are starting to to age out. You know, if you're running backs are age twenty, you know, getting past the age of twenty six. So if they're 27, 28, um, you know, receivers are, are getting into their late twenties, even thirty years old, and you don't think your team is viable, or you just want to get out now and kind of recoup as much value as you can in the form of draft picks in the upcoming draft or future years. 
and maybe get some young guys who haven't quite popped off the off the page quite yet, but you're pretty high on going going forward. And you can kind of stack up those two and three for ones where you're you're getting a mix of draft draft staff, draft assets and youth for some of the established guys who want to selling them off to teams who want to make a run now. It can really, you know, it, it's it leads to short term, you know, short term problems for your dynasty roster in terms of winning games. But it's better off. Oftentimes, it's better for you in the long run than to just hang on for one more year with your current core. Uh, that makes sense. Uh, and I think you mentioned, you know, there's different types of rebuilding. And I think, um, you know, one of them uh, you mentioned or we're about ready to talk about is, you know, if you're if you have a team where you're you've been competitive where you might have made the playoffs but you maybe didn't you know go all the way or you know maybe a scenario where maybe a Derrick Henry right so he was like a beast throughout the season but then he gets hurt right he he misses the rest of the season for your your fantasy games and then um let's say you didn't make the playoffs and then now you're stuck with what is he 28 29 year old running back where kind of starts you you know makes you start thinking you know what do I do yeah, definitely. And, you know, if you had Henry on your on your roster, you know, to start the season, you absolutely loved it. The guy was, you know, WR, or, uh, rather RB1 overall for the first half of the season. I think he actually maintained that spot for a few weeks after he got injured <laughs> with not even being on the field. The guy's an absolute, an absolute force to have in your lineup. But the problem comes in, you know, with him, he's now walking into his age 28 season. And, you know, if you've had guys like Derrick Henry on your roster as the core of your team, maybe Zeke Elliott as well. You know, you've you've had a really fun last couple of years, but you might be coming to the point where you start to run out of gas. And you know, the the thing with with contending over and over in Dynasty, there's there's a lot of keeping up with the Joneses going on when you're doing that, and that typically involves moving away moving away your draft picks and some of your younger players for guys that can help you right now. You know, you might have a top two or three team in your league, but the teams that are right behind you, they they make a couple of those type of moves and they they go get a guy like a Derrick Henry or maybe an Alvin Kamara. And, and now you're looking at that. You're like, okay, well, my team's good, but I, I need to keep up with them. And when you're trying to constantly turn over a dynasty roster, you're trying to keep it young. You're trying to keep it fresh, but it's a lot harder to do that when you've moved, moved away your assets. And after, you know, three, four, maybe five years, you're, you're competitive and your backs and, and maybe some of your receivers start to get to a point where, where they're, they might still have a productive year or two left, but you want to get out now. You just decide to rip it, that bandit off and do it. And it can be scary to do. Um, it's because you're going from, well, all I've, done, all I've ever done is try to win. And now I'm, you know, now I'm selling off my guys who can help me win. But that's, it's a perfectly natural thing to do in the life cycle of a, of, of a dynasty league is to, you, you go in waves, you go at it hard, you try to win a championship. And at a certain point, it's just time to, it's just time to, it's time to rebuild. It's time to start over. And so it, it might be scary to try to do that, but keep in mind, you know, dynasty is a long-term game and sometimes that the, the right move is to start over. I agree. I agree. And I think, I think what's important to, to keep in mind, like, you know, think about some of the you know, little hints that we've said in recent episodes too, to where like, it's an, it's, it's interesting to kind of keep tabs on your other league mates too, to where, you know, maybe you got a couple guys that are making, you know, making a big run where maybe they have the undeniably top team and they're all a, a win down team. You know, maybe that is a team that you try to uh, deal like a, a Derrick Henry too, to where, you know, maybe you can sneak away with a couple of young guys because they're so caught up in the win now atmosphere to where you might be able to sneak away with a couple solid younger guys that can really help you rebuild. So I think it's, really important to keep tabs on your on your league mates what, what, what do you think i absolutely agree and understanding what's going on in your league no matter what your goals are for the upcoming season or for future years is is massively important in dynasty you know you need to constantly have at least have an idea of, of who the contenders are you know what their draft pick situations are you know the age of some of their core players and you're also trying to identify guys that you can maybe pick off the bottom of their roster. You know, if, if there's a guy who's not going to crack their, their starting lineup rarely ever, maybe you can, but maybe you can use them. You think he's going to be good in the future. That's a guy you can target um, to kind of pick off of their roster. And, you know, if there are those, those juggernaut teams in your league and you're just kind of one of these teams that's stuck in the middle, you know, maybe that's another, that's, that's the second, that's the second um, avenue for, for rebuilding is if, you know, you're just kind of caught, 
in no man's land where um, maybe some years you're you're sneaking into the playoffs, you know, you're getting that sixth spot and then you're getting smacked in the first round when you get in. Or, you know, if your point total is always between, like, say, the five to eight in your league, you're not really you're not really scoring enough points to really be competitive to seriously contend for a title and you're missing the playoffs half the time. Maybe that's another, that's another opportunity for you to rebuild because it is possible to build from the middle in dynasty, but it's really hard to do that. You know, it involves hitting on mid first round picks, mid second round picks with some consistency to, to get yourself to that into that next level where you're, where you're competitive. So if you've been in that, in that middle ground, that purgatory for a couple of years, Maybe that's I – mean, you just call it. You look at it and you just say, hey, like, you know, my producers are starting to get older. My youth isn't picking up the slack that I currently have on my roster. You know, I'm just going to get out right now and and kind of collect some more youth and, and some draft picks and, and, and build from there. Yeah, and I think this this scenario is probably the trickiest one in Dynasty, and I don't think anybody – I don't think everyone always realizes it. You could be stuck in the middle and not know it, Right. Um, which is kind of like, you know, larger in football sometimes where like you, sometimes you, have you ever been where you're just in a routine in life and you, you don't realize you're in such a routine, you, you can't get out of it. Right. So it's, it's kind of funny where it's, it kind of, it's kind of like that to where, you know, what wakes, what kind of wakes you up in that? Or what are some, what are some things going on that kind of, um, you know, kind of wake, wakes you up out of that trance? Um, I think I can think of one. Um, that I can kind of speak to from personal experiences. Actually, my dynasty team last year, um, you know, two years ago I was a champ, um, and I th- and I was thinking 2021 I was still had the most competitive roster in our in our league, right? So I thought I was kind of running to be a two time champ um, until injuries happened, right? You know, and and <laughs> I realized that I wasn't as is you know my my depth wasn't as is large as I thought. Right. So some of the guys I was wanting to produce wasn't producing. And what do you know? I'm right at that one game out. You know, I think at the time it was, I, I, <laughs> I was like one or two games out where I could still make the playoffs and make a really good playoff run. But I had to make a decision where I had a guy like Deandre Hopkins. Right. And I ended up deciding to trade Deandre for Michael Pittman in two, one, and I made that decision because I felt I was in the middle where I wanted to make that trade saying, hey, Michael Pittman at the time was like wide receiver 11 before he had that uh, disc, disc, uh, I think he had a suspension against the Patriots even. Um, so before that, he was like the 11th wide receiver. Um, you got a guy like DeAndre Hopkins where I traded him to a win now team. And I felt, hey, you know what? If Pittman still is able to help me win a, a game or two, I can make a playoff run. But, hey, you know what? If I don't make the playoffs, I'm, I, I get a young wide receiver in return. So that's my personal experience of where I thought I was stuck in the middle, but I still I felt like it was a solid move. But I, I'm not sure if you either have a, an example for yourself where you, you found, you know, kind of what woke you up out of that trance or what kind of decision did you have to make when you're kind of stuck in the middle? Because, I, like I said, I think that's the toughest one. Yeah, that's a really tough place to be in a dynasty league, and it's it's good on you that you realize that you weren't necessarily in a position to to seriously contend for a second year in a row. So you just you did it right away. So you didn't you didn't toil for years in, in that mediocrity of, of you know barely trying to scrape into the playoffs and, and probably missing it more often than not. And I tr- I have had some pretty good success with that in my in my six year dynasty career, where I I know what direction. I want to go in um, early on for the most part. There's only been one or two examples of where I thought I had a competitive team and, you know, the, the year unfolds and it's, it's unpredictable even for, for us who keep up, up on dynasty 365, you know, you never know how every year is going to play out, but it's just, I would say with at least two to three weeks before your, your league's trade deadline, if you're not in the playoff picture or right on that playoff, pic- that playoff picture spot, like if you're not in like a game out of a playoff spot, it's probably time to, it's probably time to at least consider a, a, a semi retool. I use the word retool as a, as a full opposed to a full year rebuild, and that's I think that's kind of more what you did because uh, your your team's still pretty competitive heading into this season. You just kind of 
you know, rip the minute off real quick to, to kind of reload a little bit more so than a full blown rebuild. And, you know, would you say that's fair based on, you know, what happened unfolded for you last season? Yeah, I think so. And I think that was my strategy too, where I didn't really want to like let go of my team, but at the same time I knew I had to make a couple changes, you know, to it where I didn't want to get in a rut where I didn't want to have most of my starting lineup, you know, getting, getting over that age hump that we, that we talk about. So I think that's exactly like was my intent where I thought I still, you know, I knew DeAndre was one of the top wide receivers, but I was like, Hey, let me get a promising guy in return. And maybe I get lucky in, in this year's draft too, with another, another good uh, early second. Yeah, there you go. And it, uh, it, um, you know, it seems to be working out for you. And I think you're going to be contention again this year. Um, but, but you mentioned grabbing a draft pick there and the, the, the third type of rebuild, and this is, this is, this is kind of my my favorite type of rebuild, and it gets me excited talking about this this third one. Is that this rebuild is it's a it's a designed rebuild in a lot of ways, and it doesn't take place during a rookie draft. It takes place during a startup draft, and for people who don't aren't aren't super familiar with Dynasty, they're probably sitting there thinking like, "Well, what do you mean a rebuild right out of right out of a startup? You know, doesn't that kind of signify that you're not good at drafting if you're rebuilding in year one?" And, and I can understand, I understand why they would think that way, but you asked me last week how I, how I attack a startup draft. And I, and my, I told you that I don't want to lose it. I don't want to lose my draft in the first three or so rounds. I want those guys to be my young solid producers that I build my team around. And that's absolutely the case. Um, then beyond that though, you know, if there's players, if people are offering you future, future draft picks to move back in the startup draft. And when I, when I say future draft picks, when I say, uh, I mean, future rookie picks, if they're offering you, you know, 2022 rookie picks, 2023 rookie picks, whatever the case is, to move back in the startup. You might you might find yourself drafting a startup team that isn't going to be very competitive for the upcoming season. And this is actually the best time to take on a rebuild for the reason I mentioned initially. And that's because coming out of a startup draft, almost everybody thinks that they can win. Like, you know, no one wants to walk out of that draft whether it's a redraft league or a dynasty league, no one wants to walk out of it saying like, Oh, I hate my team. Like I can't, I can't win. You know, I, that's, that's the worst feeling. So no one wants to do that self analysis. It's hard enough to do it three, four years down the road. It's even harder to do it, you know, a day after your startup draft ends. Um, and this is a strategy I've, I've used a couple of times. I, um, it's, you know, it, it's really fun to collect that value. It's not so fun when the, the losses start racking up in the first year. And you find, you know, you find yourself, you know, you know, maybe even, you know, winning a game or two out of the, out of the whole season that that's not as much fun. Um, and there's some risk to it as well. You know, if you, if you get it wrong, you can kind of be lost at sea for years at a time. You know, this is not something that you should just dive in there and do. Uh, it's probably, you're probably better off doing this, you know, at, when you become a little bit more seasoned in dynasty, I wouldn't recommend doing it right out of the gate. Um, but one of the keys to, to remember, if you're going to go this route, the, absolutely do not trade your first and second round draft picks uh, in future years and your rookie picks, because there is absolutely nothing worse than you're losing games benefiting someone else. You know that's 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 absolutely awful. You know, and I had a couple rebuilds on my hand this this season, and you know I, I ended up with a 101 in two different drafts. So I'm, I'm holding on to those uh, pretty dearly now because now that my, my picks are accruing in value, you know, if I'm going to move off of one one now's the time to do it. You know, I, I just waited that whole, that whole season, the losses piled up. Now I have a desirable asset and now I can flip that to other people. And that's kind of the core of a rebuild is, is you're, you're finding value that is, is might not be as desirable to others right now, but it will be in the future. And that's kind of just a, a core principle of rebuilding. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think you, I think you covered a lot there to where, you know, it's all, it's all very relative to where, you know, if you have a startup, um, you know, it's, it's kind of one of those where maybe you have made up your mind. Maybe you have guys that you definitely want to target, you know, like we said, like the Jamar chases, you know, Jefferson and guys like that to where, you know, maybe they're not going to be around one pick in you know it, it might depend the makeup of your league like how we said if you already know the players and in your league it, it, it kind of depends where you know do you have more experienced dynasty players and um you know what what kind of gambles do you want to take with that but 
yeah, I know, I know my first dynasty startup draft, um, was very interesting to see some of those moves because I was very hungry on, I actually ended up getting two first round picks. I traded around so much that I ended up getting two first round picks, which it's kind of funny because it kind of, you know, if you saw my team, it actually ended up, <laughs> I did not like how I, I finished my, <laughs> my startup draft. I, I made more mid season trades to actually push me through the playoffs. I got a little lucky too, but, um, I think, you know, to that point where, you know, I was, I was trained my future picks, you know, to some of these smart, you know, smarter guys or guys that had this future outlook on, uh, on dynasty to where, Hey, I'm, I'm giving them picks where I'm actually, now I'm seeing their teams building, you know, rebuilding pretty, pretty good for my picks. I traded them free start to the season, you know, or pre start to the league. So it is interesting to see that, um, to where, you know, I, I'm, I'm guilt. I was guilty of it too, to where, you know, now I'm stuck with some of those older players that at the time, you know, I had like a, you know, I've got like a Dalvin cook that was a monster and he's, you know, still a high quality guy, but he's getting older. You're right. Another one of those guys that one of these days I got to make a decision over and it's where, you know, if you're not, if you're not super active in trading all the time, you can, you can just let it, let it go to waste. Definitely. Yeah. And that's, and that's why I recommend, that you don't necessarily take on a rebuild out of a startup if you're if it's your first dynasty league, because the hardest thing to really get a gauge of value for are the future rookie picks, because you know in redraft you you get your team, you draft your team, you, and then after after the season's over you just move on and all those guys go back into the pile and you redraft one next year, but when you're coming into a dynasty league for the first time, you don't, you don't, you don't know who the prospects are for the most part, you know, two, three years down the road, unless there's like, you know, an Andrew Luck or a Trevor Lawrence who's kind of been taking over college football for a couple of years. But beyond that, you're kind of like, I don't, I can't name, you know, three skill players in, you know, in college football at the moment who are going to be hitting the NFL ranks in the coming years. So it's really tough in your first year to really fully understand the value of those rookie of those rookie picks. And you should be mindful too of the of the guys who you know have been playing dynasty for for multiple years, who definitely who you know that they have a better idea of something than you do. So you got to be cautious of those guys that you know they might be trying to take advantage of you. You know they might be trying to they might be trying to throw Derrick Henry at you right now, which and you think, oh wow, Derrick Henry's awesome. Like that guy scores you know tons of points when he's out there. But like I said, he's a twenty year old running back, and if they're looking to get three first round picks and a young receiver off of you, you know. You might you might have an immediate bump to your team, but you're going to look at that a year from now, and you're going to be like, you're like, wow, that was that was a massive overpay, and someone else is probably going to be benefiting from that um, going forward. So just right. be mindful of some of the. I guess you could use the word sharks um, when you're first starting out. You know, the guys that that have all that dynasty experience, just got to be careful with those guys. That's true. That's true. And and explore uh, explore uh, weaknesses of the league too. Where if you know if you got some homers out there, you got some diehard fans of teams you know maybe that might show they might value some of those those guys on those teams a little more so I, I know I've used that that place sometimes too if I know somebody is diehard guy maybe you know maybe they value some of those players a little bit more than you do um you know another another uh thing I think is very interesting in selecting your players and and you know you want to you want to see <laughs> you know I know we're talking fantasy football where like you know, the average person is like, hey, this, this is a game. It's not real, not real life. But, you know, the actual personalities of the players and, and then their, their history of injuries and stuff like that, I think that's an interesting thing to think about, too, to where you know, if you're drafting, you know, a couple of years ago, if you're drafting a guy like Antonio Brown, he's a great wide receiver, right? But he's kind of shown he's kind of a, a nut, nut job in, in a way too, right? So look where you're at if you're, if you had Antonio Brown too. So that's a really fun or interesting a- aspect, I think too, that to the average, you know, listener or the average person who just, or may, I, I would say redraft player might not care about personalities, but maybe in Dynasty you do. Yeah, the Antonio Brown thing is just—it's a wild case. And I was actually involved in a startup draft. We, you know, this this draft took place in February of 2019. So we did this essentially right after the Super Bowl ended. And Antonio Brown was a first-round pick in that startup. And if you recall the timeline, that was the off-season that he moved from Pittsburgh to the Raiders. And then you know things went 
haywire quickly there, and then he landed with the Pats for about five minutes, and then was out of football again before, you know, ended up in Tampa and recovering a little bit in value, but not a ton. But that guy, guy in my league spent a first-round pick on the guy, and, you know, that's just the type of move that can, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to see it coming, but, you know, sometimes you just got to stay away from the guy if you think he might be, might be a lunatic like AP. Right, right. No, it's it's funny because it's something that, you know, it's not a stat out there, but it's more like that news and stuff to where, you know, maybe the player's history and, you know, or, or if they got into trouble and stuff like that, maybe you take some of that stuff into consideration too, where it sounds crazy, but you never, I mean, you never know. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, some the it's also, it, it's important to kind of identify who, you know, who the guys you want to stay away from. In, in these situations. And it's also, and you can also use some of those off the field things to maybe identify opportunities as well. Um, you know, a lot of people think rebuilding is, is solely about youth and draft picks. And that, that is a big part of it. That's what kind of what you want to collect in the earlier stages of it. But you also, you also need to take risks as well. You know, you need to take, maybe take some shots on guys that are, that have some of those warts that, you know, aren't, you know, at the moment, their value is really low, but you can kind of take advantage of them. Right? We have a few examples of those guys here over over the last handful of years, who they got into trouble. Some of it's some of it's legal trouble, and you know, I'll say this up front too: if you you know, if you have trepidations over some of these guys, some of the allegations that come out against some of these players uh, from a moral perspective, and you can't roster them on your fantasy teams, no, we understand that, and that's your that's your prerogative. We're not here to tell anyone else how to feel about you know who they roster and. and for what reasons. But, you know, if you look back at some of these guys who have had off the field issues come up, you know, a guy like an Adrian Peterson was suspended for all but one game of the 2014 season. He comes back in 2015 and he finishes RB two overall, you know, and he went, you know, it's a first team all pro when he comes, hits, comes back and hits the field. Tyree kill, you know, one of your, one of your, your chiefs there and former chiefs, he, you no know, 2019, he has, he has uh, an off the field incident come up and that was relatively early in the off season. I want to say that was around March, maybe early April that happened. And, you know, seasoned dynasty managers and some, even some of these dynasty experts are telling you, like, oh, sell this guy now, you know, move on from, for, for a third-round pick if you, if you can get it. You know, get out, get, just get recoup something if you can. And since then, he's finished as, as a top-six wide receiver twice. You know, Kareem Hunt is another guy, you know, suspended for half the season in 2019 for his incident. He comes back in 2020, and he finishes as, as a back-end RB1 for you. Um, you know, Deshaun Watson's kind of the, the latest example of um, – of a guy who is, is not out of the woods quite yet. Um, he's looking at uh, a suspension, but potentially, but he just got a massive contract. You know, it was a precedent setting contract from the Browns. It was over 200 something million dollars. and was fully guaranteed, you know, so that guy, you know, the, if you're following along with that situation, it's looking more, more probable than not that he's, he's going to be back on the field. And if you have a share of him in a super flex league, you know, that guy's a, that guy's a core asset. He's a top 10, Superflex asset the, the minute he's back on the field, maybe even higher. So, you know, there are, but there are opportunities there. You know, if you can get any of the guys I just, I just mentioned, if you had invested, invested in those guys right shortly after their incidents came up, you know, you weather that storm and the next season you're, you're in a great spot and you really made it well in that investment. I agree. That's, that's a great point. And that's like a great way to optimistically like look at some of those situations where, you know, this is their life. This is, you know, football, a lot of times, you know, that's kind of what they center back to, you know, if they get in either, if they get in those, you know, trouble times or or stuff like that, that a lot of times they use that for motivation to get better too. So like, if you can take a stab at some of those guys um, early on, and sometimes you can get them cheaply in leagues that uh, guys that are kind of, you know, discuss either disgusted or they're just mad that maybe they're suspended or something like that. You can get, if you're in that, you know, we're talking rebuilding right now. If you're in a rebuilding stage, that's a perfect scenario for you to get one of those guys to just take a little stab at and you can probably get them cheap. You know, you're kind of already rebuilding anyway, or, you know, you're not fully contending. It's, it's a perfect, you know, that, that's a great point. I'm, I'm glad you brought up the other side of the spectrum with that as well. Yeah. You got to, you got to at least do your due, due diligence and you got to kick the tires on those guys and, you know, if if, the, if this these things pop up and and the managers that have they have these these players are, if they're contending teams, they're looking at it like, wow, I got to replace an RB one, I got to replace you know a, a top six wide receiver here, and maybe they're not thinking in the long term value value uh, chart there in, in their minds, and maybe it's time to see if you can come in there and, and take advantage. That's true. That's true. 
I mean, um, yeah, I, I think like we touched on them. I think you broke down rebuilding in general and the, you know, those three categories is really good to like, keep in mind, you know, those three, we, three, we, we talked about and, you know, just, you know, if, if you keep that into the back of your mind, you kind of, you know, you, whether it's preseason or, or, you know, your mid season, you know, maybe some are more like, you know, you're, you're ready to win preseason and you find out you're, you're not, you might be in that middle ground. Um, or you're just completely like, oh, well, this, this was, uh, not my season. Right. So let me just do, let me start now. Right. Let me do a full rebuild. Um, you know, a lot of those scenarios that you brought up, I, I really like how you broke them down in those departments to where, you know, some listeners out there, they can really kind of categorize themselves and figure out where, where they are with it, you know, and what they want to do. Absolutely. And, and, you know, there's so many fun, we were, we were able to touch on so many fun aspects of, of, of a, of a good rebuild and, and what, what it entails. And I'll just leave, I'll just leave it off. I'll close off, put the bow on the, uh, the rebuilding talk here with this last couple points here. And, you know, it's really all about maximizing value, whatever that looks like. Um, youth and draft picks are great. Um, guys who are maybe dealing with some off the field issues, other good targets. Um, but keep in mind in the grand scheme of things here that you don't want to be doing this forever. The you know, Eventually you want to get back to a competitive state. And the way I look at it is if, if two full NFL seasons and off seasons go by and by that third off season, if you're not at least have a team has a, you know, if you don't have a, have a, a team that you think you can contend to make the playoffs with, then your rebuild probably didn't go as smoothly as you would have liked. Ideally, you're not going to go more than two seasons without uh, being out without any chance of, of sniffing the playoffs. And if it's taking longer than that, you probably did it wrong. Uh, which is okay. Don't get discouraged. Don't give up. But just keep in mind that when you signal a rebuild, that you're aiming for no more than two seasons before you can turn that corner. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And that's similar to real football, where you know it, it's kind of they the NFL is made to kind of stay competitive. Where you know if you have a losing season, you got the better picks, and that's exactly why it's so fun with Dynasty too. To where you, you know you're picking those next future stars of the league and if you can you know that's what you're, you're that's what you're trying to acquire is that the next stars kind of cut you know grab before your your league mates do um but yeah i mean i think you know moving on from that i think that was um that's a great topic it's one where i think we could probably talk for for hours with you know talking about rebound building strategies when to do it you know we i think we just scratched the the surface there on on that talk but um, you know, definitely, definitely one where, um, you know, it might be a good segue to say, Hey, we, <laughs> we're on social media. We got the, our website. We're always, you know, um, a, are accepting, um, you know, comments, questions. I, I know we had a couple callers or Tad, he, he ended up being on the show. Right. So, uh, you know, uh, we like the interaction where if you got questions and we, you know, we love it where, you know, we'll be happy to give our advice, you know, both on air, off air, on social media too, to where I think, um, I think, uh, you know, one thing to bring up is we got, we got Twitter now. So Twitter is a very easy uh, platform to kind of, you know, tweet out some of those questions and tweet to us. And, and I think I'm, you know, someone no, no better than the commission to be, to be running that for us. Yeah, taking over our, our Twitter page. We're, we're up there uh, for, for the world now to see. Uh, we're on there at, at Sunday underscore Surefire. And uh, we'll be posting on there. This episode will drop on there um, You know, as soon as it's available. We'll, we'll get it up there as well as onto our website and wherever you consume your podcasts. You know, we're, we're, we're looking to have a presence on there. So check us out. You know, hit us up. Send us some, some DMs. We're happy to answer all your Dynasty questions. And you know, take a look at your rosters for you. Maybe give you some custom custom advice as well. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, that's fun. I think we got some more excitement coming up. We're two, we're two shows away before the, uh, the, uh, upcoming rookie draft. So we're going to have some fun episodes talking about rookies You know, I'm sure we're going to have some fun topics coming up there with rookie draft strategy. You know, I think we have another one called like riding the wave of a rookie too. So that's going to be fun to talk about, but, um, you know, be sure to tune in in the next couple of weeks, uh, you know, over some of our advice over, this year's rookies and then just overall rookie strategy. I know we want to, we want to touch on as well. Yeah. I can't wait. Really looking forward to diving into rookies. You know, we put in all this research and then the draft rolls around and you know, that's, that's when you need, that's when you need us the most, you know, 
check in with the people who have been covering it all the way all the way through and and we'll take care of you that's right that's right all right well in the famous words of carmen captain carmen peace <laughs>